You're listening to Make It Thrive, the company culture podcast. I'm your host, Lizzie Benton, culture consultant and founder of Liberty Mind, and I want to inspire people to create unique company cultures where our human potential can thrive. In this podcast, I talk to organizations and employees about the impact of company culture. Together, we can make it thrive. Hi, and welcome to Make It Thrive. On this week's podcast, I'm talking to Soma Ghosh, careers advisor and career counsellor and founder of the Career Happiness Podcast. In this week's chat, I talk to Soma about the impact of company culture on mental health and what organisations should be doing to support employees in the workplace. So let's get started. Hi, Soma, and thank you so much for joining me today. Hi. So give us an overview of your experience in different company cultures. So um, I, as a careers advisor, have worked in lots of different organisations. When I first started as a careers advisor, just to give a little bit of context, um, I worked for the local council. And uh, this local council, obviously I won't be divulging any names of any of the places I'm working, um, just for confidentiality reasons. Of course. um, it was quite a big council and I always felt like I had a lot of support there. I had a great manager there. Um, we had all the latest equipment. So I was very, very lucky in my first proper, proper job as a careers advisor, I have to say. And then um, when I left that organisation and I started working, um, I mean, we would always work for Connections when we were careers advisors and then they were outsourced by another company. Oh, I remember Connections. <laughs> so that's kind of how it worked. It was like they were outsourced by another company and then um, basically uh, you would work kind of in the borough but another company was controlling kind of everything through Connections. So that was my second job and in, in that job, Um, I have to say the organisation was very, very different. Um, They weren't an education-based provider. They did everything. They did shipping. They did uh, business management. And they even did, like, education. So it was a very mixed bag. And I feel like the culture there was quite chilled out, actually. Um, (laughs) In the council, there was a lot more, like, strategies in place. There was strategies here, but I feel like they were really, really quite friendly and I feel like they um, did encourage you to do like learning and development. But I honestly feel like, um, you know, the support was there and stuff. But because it was a mixed bag, um, after a while, they actually got out outbidded and another company took over that company with the connections contract. And they were the complete opposite, Lizzie. They were like very corporate, very structured. You know, you had to go to this training. You had to go here. You had to go there. But. It gave an overall, I would say, uh, ethos in terms of um, it helped us stay uh, quite motivated and up to date, I guess. Um, yeah, of course. Um, and and then later what happened is I actually went through redundancy within that organisation and it was very, again, like very structured. We had to fill in this like long questionnaire. There were lots of questions and Based on that, they picked whether or not we were the right fit. And um, oh my gosh! Unfortunately, I wasn't successful through that process, but they did redeploy me, which was actually really good. Um, and I carried on working there for a short while. And then, sort of, the next company that I worked in, well, I started working in colleges actually directly as temp, as a temp. And I feel like when you're a temp, anyway, um, you're treated like 
differently. I don't know if you can relate to that, uh, Lizzie, if you've ever worked as a temp before. I haven't, no, but I've, I've have, have had similar experiences from friends that have done it, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that was quite interesting because when you work in colleges, you get to see a lot of hierarchical um, chains, not very positive, to be honest, sometimes. Uh, one of the colleges I worked in, it was there was quite a negative vibe and everyone was really stressed and that stress was being filtered down through the managers. Oh. So that was quite... That was quite a stressful and not what yeah. what I expected. The other college I worked in, though, completely different. Like they had their own little, um, you know, divisions and there was some hierarchy, but I felt that it didn't affect the job that I did there. I wasn't actually working as a careers advisor um, in some of these colleges. I was doing more mentoring and just education support. So I kind of stepped away from careers advice to focus on just education because I was still kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do and that was quite interesting as well to see like different observations and to see what comes up um but after a while I went back to careers advice and um sort of one of the last roles I've had what's actually happened with careers advice is before you had connections you know connections with outsource but when connections went schools now privately have to pay uh, for the career services so the company that actually took that over um, I was outsourced to work I was contracted for a couple of days and I have to say the experience there was very um, up and down if I can be honest um, mm. organization was um, you know the managers were amazing the managers did their best they gave me all the paperwork and stuff but overall it was very isolating because I was contracted out their head office was like outside London, um, not much interaction with HR. And I felt like that had an overall impact because that was where I was bullied um, quite badly. And I wasn't able to really reach out. And when I did reach out, it was mainly like email this, email that. Oh, no. So difficult to get hold of people on the phone, I felt. And I feel I felt like the priority was because of those targeted days – you know, just get just get on with it. Just get on with it. So, yeah, a mixed bag of different companies I've I've worked in, as you can you know sense. Gosh, definitely a real mixed bag. So, is there a, an experience that really stands out stands out to you? Um, you know, from that any of those experiences, you know, positively and negatively, is there a particular experience? So, positively, um, when I worked under the council, I would say that was a really positive experience because I felt so supported. I had a manager who who mentored me. She was absolutely That's amazing. amazing. And when I worked in that corporate company, as structured as they were and as on, on target as they were, you felt supported. You didn't feel um, like you weren't supported. But unfortunately, negatively, um, when I was um, going through quite a lot and I was being bullied and I was not being treated as nicely, um, I was going through a little bit of anxiety and depression. I did tell my manager at the time and she did support me in that moment. But I think, to be honest with you, the problem was I think she didn't realise it would be an ongoing issue. She just thought, oh, it's just a little bit of stress. Trauma will recover. We'll help a little bit on that. Day. And then that's it. And I think... Um, the reason why that experience stands out for me is I feel as though a lot of managers don't know how to handle situations like that when you're trying to say that, you know, potentially someone's, you know, not treating you well at work. They kind of 
brush it off and they kind of think, oh, it's just someone difficult that you're working with. And to be honest with you, um, in my previous roles, Lizzie, I'd worked with two other difficult people. One person, um, she was so difficult, she was so hard on me, but she kind of did it like a taskmaster. It was more like, you know, micromanaging me so that I could <laughs> Yeah. And the other person, it was just, she was just really, really stressed and she was putting that stress on me. And then when she realized that, she actually, you know, later offered me another job. And I do think that you can gain respect from people. But with this woman, I just knew everything I was doing was just not, you know, never good enough. You know, she uh, would constantly like hound me. And I think, you know, when someone's not being nice to you, you know, when you're not liked by somebody. So I feel that the company culture, unfortunately, because there wasn't the support there, that that did impact on that. Yeah. Gosh. Because the thing is as well, you know, it's it's such an emotional um, time, you know, when you're going through sort of depression and anxiety and when it's, especially when it's highlighted even more significantly by the relationships that you're having within that culture, mm. it is down to HR to take it very seriously. And, you know, we know now, um, you know, the statistics that are coming out about sort of mental health in the workplace mm. and people not feeling like they can even go to their managers um, about an issue, let alone HR. Um, and it's it's such uh, it's shocking considering that you know we spend you know eight eight hours of the day with with people we should feel supported yeah. and encouraged yeah. and enabled to be fully ourselves in those environments mm. so was it was your kind of anxiety triggered by this person or was it kind of um already there but then it was kind of exacerbated by this sort of relationship so I think I've always had symptoms of anxiety to be honest Lizzie I lost my father when I was very young I was six years old and um, I had a wonderful mother who made sure everything was looked after and she's an amazing role model to me but I do feel like it was always there in the background I was always kind of the child that would worry about oh my god I've Oh, bless you. oh my god I've got to do this I've got to do that I would I did have this worry concept in me so the anxiety was always there um but I feel like with this situation you know when you're given work at the right the last minute when you know mm. part-time and they're trying to run a business because I was actually um running my business at the time then whilst doing this job um also you know when um somebody just like walks into your office Lizzie and they don't knock uh, yeah. they start talking to, about you with other colleagues and saying oh Soma I spoke to such and such and they said you haven't done this and it's the tone and the way, and the way that they speak to you oh. um, the anxiety yeah. was definitely triggered by all of this um, mm. more and when I did go and see my GP that time the, that's the first time where she actually said to me you're showing symptoms because I'd had a panic attack and I managed to, I was very lucky at the time. I know that now a lot of walking centers don't exist, which is very sad, but I had a walking center down the road. And she said, you're showing symptoms of, of anxiety. And her solution was to give me something for it, but it didn't really help. You know, it just didn't help. But yeah, I do feel that it, it definitely triggered and made me realize I have some symptoms of anxiety. Yes. Gosh, bless you. And did you feel, because I know HR are often criticised as being reactive in regards to mental health rather than proactive. You know, it's very much, and I suppose that there's very a lot of that within society as well. Unfortunately, we are always very reactive um, in our culture rather than being proactive about how we can obviously 
think about things before they sort of escalate into a much bigger problem. What was your kind of experience with that? Do you think that, you know, in regards to the the HR support that you had, do you think that helped you or do you think that was a bit of a hindrance? So it's very interesting. Um, One of the organisations I worked for, actually, we had... um, in a way, once a week, we would know where the main HR manager was and we had access to him. But I never had any issues in that job. So even though, you know, we could go and talk to him and he was there, that, that's great. But I do feel like a lot of the time um, when you work for big organisations like I have, you know, the head offices are not in London. I'm based in London and you have to be proactive in order to contact them. And what ends up happening mm. is, Um, when you start a new job yes you've got the support of you know with the induction with your line manager or with whoever but maybe it would be helpful if HR would be a bit more proactive and say how are you getting on and have that outsider perspective Lizzie because I honestly feel like sometimes even though managers have good intentions and they're amazing if you had a little bit of outside support you're more willing to kind of open up and say, oh, actually, this person's being really horrible to me at work, or actually, I feel like I'm being left out. And my overall experience is that I've not really had <laughs> much contact with HR, <laughs> um, apart from that that particular individual, because I had ac- access to him. And I think sometimes, Lizzie, what it is, is if you're in a bad mental state, how can you be proactive enough to even contact them? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely, completely. Mm. I think you're so right, Soma, because the, the, the truth is, you know, when, when you hit that state of, you know, whether you're in a, in a, in a mode of extreme anxiety or depression, mm. you know, seeking help is one of the hardest things to mm. do. And actually, you know, sometimes you don't want to seek help or don't, don't feel like you should because, you know, there's so much stigma around mental health. You know, the, the idea that you feel like it's a weakness mm. or you don't want to show, uh, you don't want to perhaps share that feeling with someone who you, you don't feel is going to treat that conversation with the respect that it deserves. You know, you don't want it to be brushed aside. You don't want to um, be, be made to feel any smaller than you already do. Mm-hmm. And there's so much emotional baggage that comes with that in order to reach out mm. you know it, it just doesn't happen we're, we're almost expecting too much of people to reach out in the first instance because you know it, you you really don't feel like you are in a place to reach out and ask for help mm. so there has to be that olive branch yep. that kind of support system in place mm. to actually reach out in the first instance to check that people are okay because you can't just expect people to come to you. I don't know whether you think the same. Yeah, no, I do. And I think sometimes um, the issue is, is that, you know, I've had some clients who've said they've gone to HR, um, Lizzie, and they've said that, you know, HR have taken on board their comments, but it feels like the interaction between the manager and the line managers and the supervisors is given priority. And then they feel kind of like, um, you know, ousted out from the situation. And that can be really, really difficult. Um, that's kind of what's happened with some of the women I've worked with. And overall, for me, I feel like when, you know, if you've gone through depression and anxiety, exactly what you just said, you know, you're not, you kind of don't really want to talk to anybody. Um, it's very, very hard. And you almost need a supportive network around you, not just with your family and friends, but at work too. It's very crucially important. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think it's one of those things where to build an awareness of because it's even perhaps your colleagues are perhaps noticing something. I know that's one thing when um, I was 
last year I took part in some mental health first aid training and it was incredible you know the the different perceptions people have of mental illness you know and we all have um different ideas of what that looks like but the truth is it is very different for everybody and it's knowing someone's character and when they're perhaps not really being themselves or perhaps they're present talking to you but you perhaps notice in their eyes that they're not quite there Mm. Um, and there's so many subtle signs that unless you're really present and aware and involved and you know within a team that feels like it supports each other you you can't really pick up on some of the the nuances of of you know the characteristics changing and the personality changing there has to be a real awareness Mm -hmm. I think within the organization to ensure that people can go oh you know let's go have a coffee are you okay because you know I I have a lot of um, family members who've suffered with um, severe um, bipolar and depression. And I know that you can't just tell someone to to get help. They don't just go and get help. You know, it's not that simple. It's it's far more complicated than that. And actually, it's about encouraging conversation and, you know, building an awareness and building that support. And that has to happen in the workplace, a hundred percent. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. So Soma, how do you think company cultures can embrace more strategies to support mental health in the workplace? So this is a really interesting um, question. I actually think um, it's funny that you mentioned um, mental first aid because I interviewed someone from my own podcast around mental first aid. Amazing. (laughs) Um, Her name is Layla Akai and she's someone who is very knowledgeable about mental first aid. And we actually had a discussion, uh, Lizzie, in lining with that about communication. And I think one of the first strategies is to be able to, I think, have an open discussion around mental health in the workplace, even before people consider bringing in a mental health first aid or, you know, train people. I think that's really, really important. I think also to caveat that point, because I was discussing this with a friend of mine actually the other day, and she was saying that, you know, that's great with the mental first aid, but so much... What if, you know, um, people have different needs and, you know, you've got to remember everyone's different. And I think it's great to have conversations and everyone has different perspectives about things. But sometimes some people, um, you know, feel uncomfortable talking about these things in an open forum. So maybe if companies were to bring in like a specialist psychologist or somebody like that, where they could just go and talk to them. Um, And I know it does depend on funding and how big the company is, but I do (laughs) feel like they need to do more so that if there is somebody who um, is suffering from maybe suicidal thoughts or um, psychosis or something pretty potentially serious, that they have that support that they can reach out to at work because, you know, we spend an awful long time at work. And I see this with a lot of people who are in IT and banking, Lizzie, they work such long hours they don't sleep enough and so you know they don't even have time to like go home and cook dinner some of them so it's like you know what could they do where they could talk to somebody at work and have that in place and I think another thing that I think is really really important is having strategies where you know you have wellness days and I know that might sound a bit gimmicky but almost, you know, maybe just um, doing uh, yoga for five to 10 minutes. One of my favorite books mm. that I feel um, is, you know, often overlooked is a book called Thrive by Arianna Huffington. And she talks about 
um you know obviously her company but I know that Facebook do this they have like these little sleep rooms and things like that Um, and it would be great to have all of that but I do think like it depends on the individual that maybe there should be like an individual plan for each person because just because someone's not got a mental health problem everyone can have symptoms of mental health absolutely definitely I totally agree with you, Soma, because the, the thing is as well, it's, you know, we, we see mental health as such a black and white situation and we're all aware it's not, you know, it's a spectrum essentially, you know, and all of us can shift on that spectrum and even, you know, um, we can seem like a really happy and positive person, but then have some really dark days yeah. or um, gray days as I like to call them um it doesn't necessarily mean you know they're always walking around miserable um and it's true everyone is in in a different place and we all have different triggers yeah. as well so you know what what might stress one person out would actually be fine for another mm-hmm. and, and we have to appreciate that we're all unique individuals in our abilities and I think that's completely correct I know I spoke to um elite business magazine recently about um social events because a lot of those are kind of thrust onto people without any kind of you know um a a massive expectation Mm -hmm. from people just to come along without really thinking is this appropriate for this person is this person going to enjoy this is it going to be suitable so one thing I always say to organizations when I go in to look at their culture is you know what kind of plans and benefits have you got in place for people because the thing is as well we're working in multi-generational organizations now you've got you know, um, baby boomers working with millennials, <laughs> working with Gen Zers, like there's never been such yeah. a widespread of generations working in one organization. Oh. And how, like, how is it that one benefit can suit all of those generations? It just doesn't work that way. So it's, I always say like, you know, try and create almost like a well-being strategy or a benefits package mm-hmm. that actually is appropriate where people can always pick and choose what they want to do so they have like a calendar of events and people go oh actually like I really like I'd like to go and see that talk by that you know wellness (laughs) person or I'd really like to go and do yoga because you know I've worked in organizations where there have been a lot of introverts and if you said to them right we're going to go and do yoga they'd go absolutely not (laughs) yeah no exactly it's interesting you say that because I think um with personalities as well um with my psychology background I remember we studied a lot around extroversion and introversion and there's a book called Quiet by Suzanne Kane. I don't know if you've you've heard of the book it's a great book oh no but I'm gonna take note of it <laughs> um, and it's a book for introverts I'm an introvert and I think that that's the other thing that what you just said Lizzie a lot of people don't consider if someone wants to go to that particular event or they want to um I don't know go um and do something fun like go-karting or whatever it is you know for team bonding it's everybody should be able to um pick on what works for them because it is an individual approach wellness I do honestly think it is yeah Mm, definitely so I know we've kind of covered a lot about the the culture side of things Mm -hmm. and sort of mental health within within the culture but what would your advice to be to someone struggling currently in a negative company culture where they perhaps feel like the the culture itself is actually triggering Mm. and impacting their sort of mental health so um I have about I have a few tips on this one um 
So I do think that firstly, even though this is a hard one to do, number one, um, and I'm not saying to go and talk to somebody like a counsellor or someone straight away, but open and have a discussion with somebody that you trust, that you care about, that you love is the first thing. And the reason I'm suggesting this one is because at first you may not feel like doing this, but um, when I was going through what I was in my negative uh, workplace um, culture, I think in society we're taught to be like really, really like, you know, just get on with it, go to work, do this, do that. And I put on a, a quite a facade for many, many months when I was going through depression and anxiety. I, I didn't tell anybody. I knew that if I met up with my friends, I actually stopped talking to some of my friends because I was like, oh, I'm too busy, I'm too busy. I wasn't like stopped, but I stopped kind of wanting to meet them. And so for me, I think, and I see this pattern a lot with the women I work with, is just reach out to at least one person, maybe even just have a phone conversation with them and then see if that helps. If that friend is particularly um, opinionated and judgmental, that's not going to help. <laughs> so that's when you do need to think about, okay, maybe now I need to go and see my doctor or I need to um, you know, reach out to someone like who is a careers counsellor or someone who is going to be impartial because I think this is the other thing. Lizzie that um as much as our family and friends love us they're not always impartial and they're just no (laughs) and they could trigger us more if we're in that emotional state so um one thing that I want to suggest is that obviously when you do go and speak to your doctor if you feel comfortable telling your doctor about this because I remember reading a post and part of an online forum where this woman did an anonymous post and she was going through a really bad time at work she didn't want to go and see her doctor so then you need to think about okay so if I know I have to wait for CBT for six months can I hire a private counsellor or a psychotherapist locally to me you can it's very easy to do you know so tip number one is just kind of you know breaking the ice and just talking about your negative experience I have I have two more that I want to share uh Um, but that is the first thing that I would say just talking to somebody who's going to be able to you know help you a little bit the second one and this one I think is a very very hard one for a lot of people to be able to do if they're not in a good mental state again but this is a gradual process that I think a lot of people need to consider and I actually wrote a blog post linking to this um and this is around if you you know want to quit your job but you can't due to financial commitments or whatever commitments you have and that is having an exit strategy that you've planned yeah I love that and um I know that that might sound a bit like strategic (laughs) in terms of (laughs) but do it slowly so for example uh if you know you want to create a side hustle um then think about portioning out some time where you can do that slowly so hire somebody to help you with that if you know that you need to get another job to finance your mortgage pay for bills whatever then just think about what you could do bit by bit before you hand your notice in because you know with a lot of people um, that I speak to Lizzie they're in situations where you know they have long uh, notice periods like three or four months so you do have to plan it out a little bit and I think the reason why I'm suggesting number two is because you have a right to be in a place where you feel happy, you feel protective. You don't need to be in a negative company culture. You know, you deserve to be happy. So, you know, when I hear from a lot of people, they say to me, oh, I can't possibly leave my job. So what are you doing about it to 
be proactive in order to leave that situation. I'm not saying that you need to leave right now, but maybe give yourself a target of about six months at the least and have an exit strategy in place. So that's number two. And number three is more of a sort of, I would say, uh, a kind of positivity one for yourself because I didn't do number three and I ended up down a spiral. And that is being kind to yourself because when you're in a negative company culture, you know, I've been in situations where, you know, people have been going through redundancies. It's not your fault that that is happening. It's not your fault that people are stressed at work and putting that stress on you and shouting at you and making you feel bad. So you need to be kind to yourself. You need to say, okay, this situation is temporary in the sense that I'm actually not going to be here much longer. I've got a plan in place. And just say to yourself, you know, I'm here for now, but things will get better for me. So that's tip number three. So yeah, just some three tips there to help the people who are listening. I think they are very practical and I love practical (laughs) tips. So they're fantastic. Thank you so much. And I'll um, make sure to link to your blog post, Soma, as well, so that people can find some more information about that, because I think that'll be really, really helpful. So I think that has been a really interesting conversation. I think we've tackled some pretty meaty subjects in regard to mental health in company culture. Have you got any final words for Soma that you'd like like to leave behind? Um, I just want to say that if anybody is um, suffering from any mental health issues or they feel like the company culture they're working in, it's not for them. One last thing that I just want to say to you is just look at what your values are as an individual, what you want to bring into the world. Because I think a lot of the time, society, the news, you know, it can tell us what we think we should be doing, but we don't look Absolutely. outside the box. We don't look at whether we can go freelance, start a business, do something different. So that's sort of my last thoughts. Try and think outside the box. Don't, you know, just cut yourself off to a nine to five job because everybody is capable of much more than they think they are yes I would definitely agree with you there Soma there's some fantastic words of wisdom that's like a tweet (laughs) right there (laughs) that's tweetable content (laughs) with words of wisdom I love it well thank you Soma so much for joining us today on Make It Thrive I've loved speaking to you about this topic and I feel like we've definitely given some great tips so I hope you've all enjoyed those and I will link to the books and that Soma's mentioned and also the blog post and all of Soma's links within the show notes so that you can see what she's up to and um, go and listen to her podcast as well on mental health so thank you so much Soma for coming on today thank you for having me bye you've been listening to make it thrive the company culture podcast with me your host lizzie benton if you've enjoyed listening and want to keep up with all things culture don't forget to subscribe thank you so much for listening and i look forward to welcoming you back next week